Welcome to Talk Design Show, where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Kate Walker from Kate Walker Design. Kate is a star of the interior design world here in Australia. She has a beautiful touch with how she layers out her designs. And we were just chatting earlier and we're talking about the depth of feel that things bring. And it's not just what it looks like. The depth of feel is what makes the difference to how people and their psychology acts to a space. So, Kate, welcome to the show. I'm going to Thank kick you, off. Adrian. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. <laughs> I want to kick off with a question, which is going to be, you know, clearly you're a creative. There's, there's mm. no doubt about that. You, know, you ended up doing this because you're a creative. And there would have been a thousand things you could have done. You probably could have chosen to be a photographer. You could have chosen to be, you know, an architect. You could have chosen to be anything, a clothes designer. You've got the creative, you know, um, je ne sais quoi. Why interior design? What happened and what was the path that led you here? Well, the path that led me here was everything but design. I went through, I guess I grew up one of seven children. Mm. And when you're one of seven, you have to be a really good girl to get noticed because, you know, there's quite a few of you at the dinner table. And so I put a lot of energies into my studies. So I was a really good student. You could probably call me a bit of a nerd. Yep. I used to get a bit, I'd get upset if it was an A, not an A plus kind of girl. <laughs> and so naturally when you do really well at school, your trajectory is normally science, you know, medical yeah. or law mm. or something like that. So One it was the, very the much professions on, as such. The professions. And so I had sort of this gnawing passion for business in the back of my mind because I grew up with a really entrepreneurial father. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was an incredible designer herself, so never qualified, but she was just she's the best interior designer I've ever met. Wow, how cool. And so I've got these two polarising parents in a way, and I think coming down the gene pool, I clipped both branches on the way down, so that entrepreneurial side and the design side. But because I did so well at school, I, I put myself into commerce science. So I studied that at Melbourne Uni, and then I thought, gosh, how crazy is this, science of commerce, at complete opposite ends of the spectrum, and I couldn't quite make that gel. So then I went into more of a science background and I studied speech pathology. Oh, wow. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going through uni and I'm loving the study because I was a really good student. Yeah, and 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 you're a practice student as well. It wasn't like you were just trying to learn on the fly. You'd done it all the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're good and and disciplined. Yeah, and I loved the study. But we got to the end of it and... I think it was one of the last lectures. They told us how much you were going to earn in speech pathology a year. And I thought, 
Uh-oh. We've got a problem here. <laughs> Houston, we've got a problem. Houston, <laughs> I can't live on this. <laughs> and so I was a little bit cross with myself that I didn't do my due diligence. And so Dad said to me, look, you're not going to go into this. You don't. It's not your passion. Um, come and work for me for a few months while you work out what you want to do. And so my father... Um, owns a business called National Tiles, which is a, you a, know, a yeah, okay. yeah, a well-established well tile business. And at that time it was only in Victoria. And he said, come and work for me for a few months. I said, no way am I working for you. <laughs> like I did that during uni. I worked on Saturdays and Sundays. And anyway, it, he said, Just it's like us. having to move home. Yeah, when you're in your 40s. I know. I know. I think I was a sprightly 23 or 22 or 23. Anyway. I'm not going back, Dad. (laughs) So so I did because I didn't have anything else to do. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it from the first second that I was in the architectural division. Yeah. Natural division. And what it did... It allowed me to, I guess, focus on my creative side, which was putting together concepts for people, mm-hmm. and also scratch that itch of the business side. Mm. So when I look at my personality, you could say I've got a split personality. Yeah, split personality. Because, it looks really entre- pretty, but here's the dollar line. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I am really entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. um, but I am very creative. So I... I worked for Dad what was meant to be for six months. I worked for him for 15 years. Oh, my God. He, he kicked you out after 15 years. He finally said, <laughs> he, that's it, you're gone. He actually <laughs> did. He, <laughs> he actually, actually, my brother did. He kicked me out. Um, <laughs> so it was a real family affair. But during that time with National Tiles, I touched a lot of parts of the business. So I... I ran sales teams. Yeah. I ran an architectural division. I worked in the commercial division. I worked in retail. Yeah. And I loved everything about it. And I gleaned a lot of street smart mm-hmm. from working you, there. You couldn't, was, yeah, you couldn't learn that other than in an environment where all those things are happening. And also most, most people would never get the chance to work across all those parts. They, you know, I mean, what a beautiful mentorship. Um, yeah, no wonder it took 15 years. <laughs> it took 15 years and he was a really tough boss too, by the way. Like it, it was hardcore. So, um, but so I you're learned... standing taller than the rest of them, Kate. <laughs> so I, 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 I learned a lot. Yeah. And when it was time to leave um, and, you know, pushed or shoved or jumped or whatever we call it, yeah. we, we, we ended working together. And it was at a stage of my life, it was a very low stage of my life, horrifically low, and I actually had nothing. So I didn't have a marriage. I had two young children. And I thought to myself, what do I do? I've got no money. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to get out there. I've got, to, um, I've got to make a start. And I did what I intrinsically knew I could do. And I got out there and I guess I sold myself yep. in that, no, no, not in a prostitute way. <laughs> I sold, I sold, not that time anyway. Yeah. No, not that time. No, 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 no. No, I sold myself in a way that, that I knew where my skill sets yeah. were. Where well, you that could offer value. Much. 
Well, you can yeah, bring value. value. Yeah. So I filled my car with tile samples and I went out and spoke to people. From and I said, or from national tiles? Oh, look, let's say I had an array. <laughs> I had an array. A broad market array. Yeah. A broad market array. <laughs> I, yeah, I like to keep my options open. <laughs> exactly. So that, was, that was the commerce part coming in there. Yes, that was the that commerce was, part. <laughs> I couldn't look like I was a one-trick pony. That uh, wouldn't look like, yeah. Otherwise, you might that, as well back on the payroll. That's right. And um, I certainly wasn't. So <laughs> I had to. I used to have all these people come into me in National Tiles and I could only sell them tiles. I could only mm-hmm. sell them tiles, mm-hmm. pool tiles, you know, yeah. outdoor stone, indoor stone. That 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 was it. That was but your lot. Coming in, bringing their carpet sample in, bringing their timber sample yeah. in and saying, Kate, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I thought, there's a business in this. Why can I only monetize the tile component when I could monetize the whole lot? Yeah. So I went out and I started to give free advice to people. It wasn't so monetising just quietly. <laughs> no, hang on, I'm getting that to that marketing. point. That was marketing. That was marketing. I'm getting to that point <laughs> because I, I didn't have the certificate on the wall yeah. to say you're a designer so you can charge for your time. Yeah. I didn't and, have that. So, so I didn't you had believe a bit of myself. imposter syndrome in there. Terribly, terrible, mm. terrible. Mm. Um, and so... I thought, let's bunker down on this law of reciprocity. So I'll give you my advice for free and then you'll buy your product from me. Yes. And that's how I started my business. And I started to sell a product. So basically then, on a margin call, you were, you were margining. Yeah. And that's it. so you got your margin. As a po- I got and, and my margin. Gave, and gave your design skill away to, yeah. to, to get your margin. Mm. Yeah. And so that's how KWD started. Yeah, wow. And then it started to get really busy and I had a lot of people wanting this advice and I, I started this thing called Instagram, which back then I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I just posted these photos and posted what I was doing and people started to follow and engage and then I started to get a phone call and I thought, oh, my gosh, the phone's ringing. It's not all outbound calls anymore. Yeah. Calls started to come in and then I had a couple of clients that, kept saying, oh, Kate, come and help me, come and help me. And they didn't buy anything from me. And I thought, hang on a minute, we've got a real problem here. Yes, the, yeah, because it's it's free and it's free. It's free and it's free. Can't live like so that. So I remember charging my first consult fee and I absolutely, I was so nervous. Yeah. And I said to this lady, I said, oh, yes, I charge a fee. She said, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. I thought, oh, this is Okay. <laughs> I said, oh, it's $1,500. Yeah. I come out and I tell you what you should use. And if you buy product, I'll refund that fee on product. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I did. I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. And, hey, this is the learning. This is it's the learning. Everybody who's listening to this, this is the learning. This is success that's, at this end of it, but that's how you that's where I. That's mm. where I started. And then... I remember, so that, that worked really well and they got their $1,500 back on product and so it sort of guaranteed me the sale Absolutely. in a way. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, I'm a bit busy. My calendar's getting full. So I put that up to 2500 Yeah. And no one had a problem. And then one lady, she called and said, oh, I need some help. I said, oh, I started to give her the spiel. I said, you know, it's 2500 And before I said, and you get that money back on product, 
She said, no problem. So you just <laughs> drop the rest of your conversation. <laughs> you <Yeah>. Shut up. <laughs> and, and so that's where my design business started. I love it. And then, um, like I think all good business operators, we, we're not all experts at everything. So I started to employ my weaknesses. So all of the holes right. in my knowledge, I just started to employ really incredibly smart people and really good people. So my principle was that I was always the dumbest person in the room. I wanted to be the dumbest person because if I'm the dumbest person in the room, then I'm learning and then I'm soaking it up like a sponge. So yeah. all the people that I've got working with me now and I have a team of 20, they're all better at something than I am. Yeah. They've all got. And they've all got a, a piece of them that outshines a piece of you. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I, I feel, you know, incredibly proud to be the helm of this incredibly mm. dynamic team. Mm. And our offering now is is fantastic. We offer full service interior design from space planning. So we work with architects and designers. Sure, right from the start. Full hard finish. You know, FF&E, yeah. and you know, from start to finish. We do full furniture design. Oh, um, nice. We, yeah. yeah, and and we do turnkey service as well for people that just want the whole thing done. So we're putting glasses in cupboards and sheets on beds and and the whole thing. So that would be going, pretty exciting when you oh. you get to indulge your kind of your own self. Um, it might be their project, but you get to indulge your own self with every layer of everything. And. Oh. Everything sings <laughs> like it's, it is, it's like the full orchestra, not yes. not just a, not just a couple of performers. Mm. Yes, and you know what? It's, it's interesting when I guess our most successful projects are for the clients that really subscribe to our ideology. Yeah, and they say, you know, Kate, I trust you. Go do it. And we had one project that we recently finished up at Mount Buller, and the clients are really busy people. They're, they're both uh, work in very, um, you know, powerful uh, jobs. Yeah. And they're running two children and we, we need to do their project up at Mount Buller. And, you know, we listened to them. We gave, they gave us a really good tight brief and they didn't see the project until they turned the key. Oh, wow. Did you and video them coming in? <laughs> no, it was during the COVID. Like we of, couldn't, oh, we couldn't see hell. them. <laughs> it would have been like one of those, you know, that that show that um, Chip and Joanna Gaines used to do. Um, oh yes, of, it, yes, it would have been like that where they revealed it, and the people. Oh. Oh. Um, I imagine it, it's such a cool thing when that happens when you're in that space and they see it for the first time. Oh. But especially at the depth, like you're saying, but turnkey. She, she was sending me these messages saying. Oh my God, I've just found this beautiful Kate Spade bottle opener. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the whole house. And then she'd send me another video. Oh my gosh, I just I found, found something beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> she was experiencing it yeah. as we wanted her to. And that was a real pleasure. That wow, was just I bet. yeah. I bet. It was it was a beautiful project to be part of. Oh, just yeah, yeah, a gift. A gift to be to be able to actually do that for somebody, you know, like to mm. go to that depth for people. Yeah. Mm. It's a um it's a cool journey. I love the fact that you've got, you know, like basically one personality in the in business and another personality in design. And the fact that, you know, 
in in making that journey you you had all this knowledge wealth of knowledge for 15 years sitting over on one side and then you actually went out and basically put all that behind you in the sense of the commerce of it and went well if I can just make a margin then at least Mm -hmm. I can get a job um Mm -hmm. and then that first one where you said oh well it's fifteen hundred dollars and you probably never needed to say the other part that you're going to give it back um but that that fear level that it takes to get through to Mm -hmm. to say to somebody that that's that point of valuing yourself especially that valuing yourself you suddenly see that you've got this worth and you already knew you had it but you the the worth and satisfying somebody else and making something amazing for them and the worth and satisfying them and them paying you personally because it's so mm-hmm. personally attached it it's, is it it's is. you it's you like yeah and we've learned along the way to really value what we do. Yeah. And it's difficult in our industry, as you would know, that you're you're selling your worth up front before you deliver a thing. It's all on faith. It's all on faith. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is on faith. Yeah. And, you know, the way we invoice, we invoice up front. Yeah. And that's scary for people. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm a firm believer in that in a creative environment because mm-hmm. once the IP is out there, it's out there. Oh, and um, it gets devalued so quickly. Like, you know, I I um I did a few years working as a training people in innovation and really, really high-end innovation. So one of the clients was Airbus. So right. you're working, you know, in the room, when you're doing a training for people in the room, they are all doctorates. There is only doctorates in the room kind of thing, you know. And you're taking them through things that for example, one of the one of the ones that we did at the end of a two day training, they wrote thirty two patents. Thirty two <laughs> patents. This was for aircraft manufacture, and every one of those was a really simple solution. Mm-hmm. Simple solutions, you know, like you think even in all design, you're trying to get to simplicity. You're trying to get yes. to that. And when it's so simple, it makes so much sense to everybody. They all think they've thought of it themselves. <laughs> it's that old Apple. It's that old Apple theory, you know. Yeah. Where you get the iPhone, and there's no instruction manual because it is so because simple. it's so intuitive. Yeah. But the thought process behind it <laughs> to get there is so involved. So involved, and you know, like that's that part, isn't it? Like where then it seems simple and then its value comes down. Yes, yes. And what's simple to, you know, I often think with people, so if you're an interior designer, if you're an interior designer like you are and you go, um, okay, so you could walk into any space and make a bunch of decisions about any space Mm. and it would improve it. That's your skill set. If you went to the doctor or to the surgeon and said, look, I, I, I want you to, you know, do this room, and they said, that's cool, you just take my scalpel, room three, <laughs> um, just fix that person's appendix or whatever it was, or give them yeah. a facelift, give them a facelift. <laughs> that, would be, that would be the equivalent of 
they've got a few bags under their eyes and some crow's feet and a bit loose under the chin and just tighten them up for me. I'll do the room. Mm. You do that, you know, job swap. Mm. Neither of you, neither of you would have the skills to do it. No. And that's the value. There's the value. And, you know, both of you would end up living with the result. (laughs) And And it's interesting, the better you get at your job, the more efficient you become. Mm-hmm. And there's this battle where you're charging more because you're, you're better, yet you're yes. doing it quicker. Yes. And so, you know, there's that that battle that you have internally that you really need to get over, and that's that value proposition. And what value, what value are we giving here? And I say to people all the time, you know, They'll ring and say, oh, you know, Kate, I don't know if I can afford you. And I say, how can you not afford me or someone like yeah. me? Yeah. Because yeah. whether it's me or someone else, to, how can you not? You're about to spend an absolute fortune. And, and people's primary place of residence is generally their biggest asset mm-hmm. and where they'll sink the most amount of cash. And I think if I'm about to spend the most amount of money I've ever spent in my life building a family home, why would I not get an expert opinion? Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. Just 100%. Why would, you, why would you leave yourself at that risk point? Like I outsource everything um, yeah. primarily because I, I, I work so much and I can't be in two places at once. But I outsource any, anything I need knowledge on uh, or a skill on, I outsource it. You go because I'm better for to an spend- expert. Uh, I'm better to get an expert and be an expert in my field. Mm. So many people try and design houses with no skill. Uh, and, and that's where you see this is some... a, a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Do we dare go down it? <laughs> well, let's touch on it. <laughs> Clamber out while we've got time. <laughs> you keep hold of the lip, I'll go down for a second. <laughs> Oh, dear me. <laughs> um, well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because people through Instagram, and we've got a big Instagram following, and I'm yeah. very passionate about sharing information. Sure. A lot of designers will hold back and you'll, you'll see people saying, oh, I love that blue, what colour is it? And they get crickets, radio silence. Yeah, and whereas you whereas go, some, look, it's snap, you know, snap or it, whatever the hell it is, you know, like. It's Happy people. Days by Jewel Lux and, yeah, you know, because I figure. That person is never going to engage me. That person potentially can't afford to, uh, afford to engage me, but why can't they know the colour of the blue? Yeah. Because it's not going to impact yeah. on me. Yeah. And even it's if not- they could afford to engage you, if, that's, if they are, if they can, then they're going to tell you they love that blue. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they're going to ask that's for right. it. And if so it's a this- competitor, they're going to go, with that in their mind, that they're using, you know, Kate's blue. Um, <laughs> they might even sell it to the client that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Kate Walker uses this blue. It's just amazing. Have you seen so Kate's work? So therefore it's vetted. <laughs> yes. it's vetted and that's one less conversation they need to have. A hundred percent. Like it's, um, yeah, look, it might be used in all those manners, but whatever. But I, I just, I had this feeling that, through Instagram, I had all these comments all the time with people saying, I love what you do, but I can't afford it. I love what you do, but we can't afford a designer. And I thought, why? Before you tell me this next bit, why do people 
why do people presume that they can't afford something when they don't know what the rate is that it costs? Like, what, what, what is that presumption that people have? We do it as well, I'm sure. Just depends on what we're looking at. Um, but you know, I, get com- I get comments where people say, I love what you do, but your houses are really expensive. I'm like, hang on, what makes you think they're really expensive? Mm. Like that whole wardrobe there that we did in, in, um, in that project over there, that was all Ikea. Yeah. We just built it in and made it look pretty. Yeah. And just, so we work on so many different levels, levels of housing of, in terms of, of budget. Yeah, absolutely. Like not everybody's got a $10 million budget. And, you know, no. like, and even when they've got a big budget, it doesn't mean that you're not wise without spend. You're still maximising every every dollar is being wrung out to the biggest value you can possibly put with it. And I love guiding people to make sure that their spend is a really good one. Mm. At every Mm. dollar they put in, they're going to get at least two back. Yeah. And we're not going to spend money on areas that you're not going to get that value from. Yeah. So, you know, sure, you need insulation in the walls and you can't see it, but you feel the benefit. Yeah. You know, and sure, the structure needs to be sound and waterproof. You can't see it, but you feel it. But you know when, when it's it, raining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll know it's raining. Um, but when it comes to our work, which is everything you see. Yeah, and touch. And, and touch. breathe. And breathe. And you breathe it. You experience it. It's, it's visual. It's tactile. It's um, auditory. You know, you you got huge, yeah, our factory. <laughs> we, need, <laughs> if, we, need, if, we need to put the we need to put the candle in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it is a. Eh? It's like it does all those things, and matching all that isn't an absolute skill. It's a and and you know, decreasing noise in a space is um, an absolute skill. Just controlling noise in the space is an absolute skill, as yeah. well as layering everything else. You know, you can't, well, you can. People do it all the time. And this is that rabbit hole. You can create a, a conversation pit that people can't talk across mm. just by the surfaces mm. you use. <laughs> Absolutely. And don't you think it's lovely when you walk into a space where you have your first glance around and you take it in, yeah. but then you sit in the space and you see something else, and then you walk around the space and you experience another element. And that's what I love creating, those spaces where there are so many layers to what we do and so many textures to Mm. what we do that whilst they look beautiful, they actually feel magnificent. Yeah. And I think that's when you've really done a great job as a designer. It, it, it not only looks beautiful and it's very aesthetically pleasing, or as my daughter would say, it's very aesthetic, mum. <laughs> it's very aesthetic. It's very but, aesthetic. Um, it, it feels lovely and your experience when you're in that space, it makes you feel good. And I don't think there's any better design endorsement than for a client to say, I feel I so feel. good in this space. Yeah. That's such a key word. That word mm. feel mm. Um, is such a key word. And, and how, A, when, you know, you're, you're talking to a client to start with is, is how do they want it to feel? What are the what are the emotions it needs to carry for them? And mm. then 
beyond the emotions that it's going that space needs to carry for them what's that space purpose like you know what what's the purpose of the space and how does that purpose work in their daily journey or, or See, in their I'm family trying, journey I'm, I'm trying really hard not to when we design houses from scratch with with building designers and architects I'm really keen on not creating big houses I'm about, you know, oh, in a yeah. world today where <laughs> I don't like the McMansion, yeah, um, you know, when everyone today is so separated by technology, like you can be sitting in the same room as your teenager and you're watching something different on two different screens mm-hmm. and whilst you're in the same room, you're completely disconnected. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our design ideology is based around connectivity and making spaces for you to connect and not having really big open spaces and that every single room is a workhorse. So, you know, the guest bedroom that we all have for the guests that might come yeah. twice a year? Yeah. Well, you know, why not make that guest bedroom also the cinema room or also the, the office or, yeah. you know, also the gaming room for the 16-year-old son or, yeah. you know, whatever it is, make, make that room multifunctional. Absolutely, like that, rather than it just being an empty room yeah. for 90% of its time. That you have to heat and clean and yeah. cool yeah. You know, and spend the money building. And Why finishing not everything else, like, yeah, everything happens. Make, make it smaller, spend more money on the finishers, so have higher-end yeah. finishers and actually use your home, like use every square inch of it. So I've got a favourite rabbit hole I want to do with this one. Okay. <laughs> two, but I'll only tackle one. The walk-in robe. So mm. I go with a lot of clients. I go, and we do a lot of walk-in robes, trust me. Um, if, if given a budget and a space for a house to be, be a designer house, um, and your, your budget, you know, you're, you're pushing, your, you're always pushing your budget. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, and then you've got this main bedroom. I don't like to call them master bedrooms because I, I, I don't, unless there's some sort of kinky game going on in there, I just think main bedroom's probably a better name. But if there is a kinky game going on in there and there's the master and all the rest, then tell me about that and we'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be red. That's it. The right kind of soundproofing and few shades of grey. <laughs> yeah, look, if we look at that and I go to people often, we're going to take up, you know, somewhere around two metres of width at least it, to mm. be to be reasonable. We mm. want more. We want two and a half metres. And we might be, you know, three, four metres long. So mm. if we say, you know, three by four, we're using 12 square metres of space. And then if it's going to be fitted out, like nicely fitted out, then that's going to have a reasonable cost to it. So if you're talking just hanging, no big deal. Mm. If you're talking cupboards and shelving and drawers and all the rest, well, no, we're starting to talk a big deal. And I go, Mm. I would rather take your money and spend it in making your main bedroom super luxurious with a wall of cabinetry that rather than actually spending that other money on floor space that's hidden and you mm. make I'd make your room better so that you can get changed in your room mm. and have more space and I don't have to over overgrow the house 
which is going to save you hundreds of thousands of, of dollars at the end of it. You know what? I am I subscribe to that 100% in two areas of the home. Number one, the master walk-in robe. Yep. And number two, the butler's pantry. Oh, God, that was the other rabbit hole I said I wasn't <laughs> going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> Those two spaces oh. <laughs> suck up so much money, yep. so much space. So much money. So you've explained the walk-in robe. I, yep. I, you I'm do the pantry. Do the pantry. I'll do, okay, I'll do the pantry. I'll yeah. do the pantry because I'm pretty passionate about this. Me too. <laughs> we, we design beautiful kitchens. Uh, yeah. uh, like my de- joiner design team are incredibly talented. Yeah. They're beautiful. And I'm dead against the butler's pantry. Now, if a client comes to me and says, I want one, I want one, mm-hmm. I, I listen and, and I give them one. Yeah. But I think the whole butler's pantry notion is antiquated because mm-hmm. who has a butler? Do you well, have one? That's my first question. I go oh, I don't and have they one. say they want a butler's pantry. I go, oh, shit, do we need a bedroom for them? <laughs> I didn't realise you had a butler. And they look at me and go, what? And I go, you've got a butler's. Oh, hold on, hold on. So you're saying he's the butler. I thought that was your husband. <laughs> I'm confused here. So, yeah. I don't have a butler. We don't have a butler. It creates disconnection. So Mm -hmm. whoever's the cook is hidden in the cupboard. Well, some bastards out there drinking your wine on the main bench while you're you're cooking in the other room. (laughs) Then you need two sinks, two taps, two dishwashers, two ovens, and you're creating two kitchens, which actually makes your main kitchen smaller by virtue. And I'm all about having beautiful cabinetry on a show. And any kitchen you see that, that's been designed where I've been let loose will not have a butler's pantry, but the kitchen will be bigger. Like I'm more inclined to do two island ventures sure. than a butler's pantry because of, yeah. the, because of the way we work today. Like, you know, we homeschool at the kitchen I was about band. to say, kids doing homework on there, yes. you with a laptop open as well, trying to do something. Yes. Um, you know, spreading something out for later that needs to happen, making pasta yes. or something on that bench while you got the other bench. Yeah, I'm yes. preaching to the converted. And then I love creating, and we do it in a lot of our, you know, my last home, Beachwood, my latest home, Biscayne, they've both got this ideology where I create these pocket door cupboards mm-hmm. where one will be the coffee station, mm-hmm. one will be the, the appliance cupboard, and one will be the bar. Mm-hmm. And depending on whether it. it's been a good day or a bad day, it depends on depends. what time the bar opens. And I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> it has a time lock on it. Yeah. <laughs> time lock for the needy. Yeah. And during COVID, I couldn't work out, do I want the bar open? Do I want the coffee station open? At times I had them both open. I, just I was, was about to say, and that's martinis. when you made awesome espresso <laughs> martinis was about to come out. <laughs> At 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, well, just making it, maybe I'll have it later. Just, yes. just saying. <laughs> Irish coffee in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. It's, what is it? It's 11 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, well, whatever gets you through during COVID, it's been a challenging time. Oh, it is. Uh, I, look, I'm, I'm so much with you on the, the kitchen one. I think that money well spent is better in the one space 
And I know, look, we've got this showroom fantasy that many homes um, are, or many, let's just say it's partly social media. This thing of being able to walk into a house and it's all like the designer just left it and, uh, you know, the cushions are fluffed and all the rest. For some people, that's living. For other people, that's high, high, high anxiety. And yeah, it, torture. It, yeah, it's a home to be lived in. And, yes, I'm all for it being tidy and for, for having, you know, things having their place. But to live in a showroom is, is torture. Um, mm. And to be judging yourself at that level is a real mm. mindset value that people need to probably get help with more than anything. That, you know, if they walk in and it doesn't look like the Instagram photo, you know, of, of Kate's um, creation, then it, it's, that's okay. That's okay but, as But well. I also think as designers we can support this mm-hmm. by making sure that in our designs there's a spot for everything because if you have really well-designed spaces and really well-designed cabinetry, which I, yep. I'm really passionate about, I'll never forget when I when I did um, Beechwood, the my just previous home. Yeah, it was the first time I, I felt like I had my first adult's house. It was really bizarre. <laughs> You've finally grown up. I felt yeah. like I'd grown up. It was my first sort of adult's house, and um, I remember the distinct feeling. Free Stephen, if you'd ironed it because there was no space and so I move into Beechwood where we custom designed all that you'd be very happy to know no butler's pantry or no walk-in robe um all of the joinery in that bedroom was in the bedroom Mm -hmm. and then I had an ensuite and the the cabinetry was designed beautifully a spot for everything and I used to get up in the morning and and I I've run a busy schedule I I get up at 4 30 in the morning and um I've sort of done almost a whole day's work before nine o'clock and it's just it's just the way I roll but I, I would get up in the morning as a single mum to to exercise to set my agenda for the day to get two children off to school and to get into the office by nine. Oh yeah. Yeah <laughs> crazy. But my well, my morning beyond crazy it, it's um efficient and mm. you it works for you. You know, it my, works for my, you. Like, it's awesome. My mornings, Adrian, when I had that beautifully designed cabinetry where there was a spot for everything yeah. and and you could see everything yeah, and it was all spread out properly, the difference in my mindset was incredible because mm. I felt organised and my mind was then organised and mm-hmm. then that freed me up to to be a better mum, mm. you know, my kids had a spot for everything. So their school mm. bags had a spot in the mudroom. You know, the laundry had proper storage. Yeah. And so I think as designers, to your point of, you know, a house has to be lived in, yes, I'm not saying everyone needs to be a neat freak and have OCD like I no, yeah. But I, I, if you have a space for everything, you give an opportunity for order and order creates space in your mind. And order, I think, naturally relaxes people. Oh, 100%. There. It, it, it takes the jigsaw starts to pull together. I couldn't agree more. I had a, a client meeting last night 
And um, I was saying to them, she, she said, so you've put this seat at the end of the kitchen bench. You've got a hot west wall and da-da-da-da-da, and I've got a kitchen bench and um, it comes down and I've got like a seat just sitting there between that and then it runs into the living room. And um, <clears throat> anyway, she said, how will that get used? And I said, your handbag. Hmm. <laughs> and she said, what? And I said, and her husband sort of laughed and I said, your handbag. I said, you're going to come upstairs um, because the house is on, you're really going to live on the second level. You're not living on the ground floor. Beautiful view. Um, but you're going to come upstairs and the, your, the bedroom is at the very end of the house. It's at the other end. You know, it's, I can't remember how many metres, say 35 metres away. I said, you're going to, you've got a powder room right by there. You've got, uh, you've actually got a powder room by the garage downstairs as well. Um, so you'll either have peed down there or you're going to pee up here and yeah. you're going to put your bag down somewhere and the next thing you're going to do is, is be in the kitchen. Um, yes. And so that's where, you're, that's where you're going to put your purse. And she's yes. just like, oh, that makes so much sense. I said, well, yes. if it's not there, it's going to sit on the end of the island bench or it's going to sit somewhere else. And I said, better that it sits there. We put some phone charging stuff in the, in the kitchen bench there as well so that you can just drop your mobile on there and it will start charging. Better that. I, 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 we're all about that. You know, we design a lot of houses for busy families and yeah. we're always constantly thinking about that school bag transition where you've got three mm -hmm. kids with massive backpacks on their backs. No, the amount of shit kids carry these days. Oh, they've got insane. their disgusting squash banana in, in the bag. <laughs> they've got the stinky sports clothes. And so we sort of have this mandate where it's car to mudroom to laundry to fridge. Yes, and, I love and it. And if the kids can run in that, in that straight run and they know to put the bag on the hook and everyone's yep. got a hook. And then, and then, take then everyone the lunchbox takes out, all lunch the crap comes out. out. Sports bag goes in the washing machine yeah. and lunchbox goes in the dishwasher and then they can eat. And the feedback we get from, I shouldn't say only from mothers, but particularly from mothers. Of course, because they're that, the primary one that deals with it. It's, yeah, primarily yeah, yeah. they, they're more likely to have to deal with that than the male. To have somewhere to put your things is incredible it mm. just takes mm. it all off the floor it takes the angst away so so good design considered design considered space planning actually alleviates so much pressure in the home so I just did a podcast with a guy called um his professor sam gosling and it just got released yesterday i think and he is um doing a study He's uh, he's lives in Austin, Texas, most of the time. But he actually is a resident at Melbourne, one of the Melbourne universities as well. Right. Um, and he's British. Um, and he's doing a study on the psychology of um, des of design. Basically, when I say design, mainly architectural design and interior design. What questions should you ask a client? to get to understand them well enough and that you cover it rigorously enough that you can then design for them as part of the study. But we talked about the fact that when a house is a home and, you know, otherwise it's really just a box full of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
hopefully with light and air in it. Um, but it becomes a home when it actually functions and it becomes yes. a well-functioning home when it's well-designed. And yes. then it gets to relax. Then it gets to become that embodiment of, of the specialness of it. Um, and as you say. And how, and how you and how you feel. So yeah. if it's functional and it ends up then being happy. A hundred percent. The opportunity for joy goes mm. up and up and up, you know, like mm. that's that's what it does. And, you know, you were saying earlier about poor design costs as much as good design. In fact, oh. it probably costs more because of oh. the bad decisions. And I, I get I get so many people come to me with plans that just they haven't taken into account orientation. So oh. I just know I'd be sitting in this kitchen and by 10 a.m. the sun's gone and I don't want to be there. Exactly. I want to be where the sun is. So you, we've got to take a little bit of, I guess, inspiration from cats. And if you followed a cat around that. a house all day, yeah. where would the cat be? And the oh. cat just follows the sun. Absolutely. Cat and so and where do you want to be? You want to be where the cat is. And yeah. so we, we create these spaces now where, like I've been, I'm notorious for it. I, I tell clients to rip up plans, architectural plans, as I start again, because yeah. it does cost as much to build a poorly designed home as it does a well-designed home. So spend the time designing it well. Yes. And and hurry slowly with that process. Oh, Don't that's be a really... great term, Kate. Hurry slowly with that process. That's so like good. One foot in front of the other, but having breathing time between meetings and taking a little bit of time to get to site actually saves you time on site um, and it allows you to make really good decisions in the absence of time and budget pressure. Yeah. And when you don't have time pressure and you don't have budget pressure, you are making the best decision not only for you and your family, for your, for your budget, but for the site. Yeah. It's really important to respect your site because you need to design for the location. You need to design for 100%. the streetscape. You need mm -hmm. to design for the orientation. Mm -hmm. And it needs to sit within its environment really well. That's the, that's the key of great architecture. It sits within mm. its environment beautifully. Mm. And it, mm. it, um, it lives as a part of its environment. So it's the shelter but it lets mm. the light in where the light needs to come. It lets the air where it needs to come. And mm. I, I am always, I'd say, saddened by masses of tracks of um, project homes that have no orientation. Um, oh. And I just think it, it's, for something so simple, it's sad that most people never get to engage They'll engage in, in somebody else's place, but, you know, the, the masses that buy, um, you know, all the, those homes, mm. they end up either, and, and years come, they get altered as the neighbourhoods get, you know, maybe more gentrified or whatever, but the fundamentals of them can be so wrong. I know the number of renovations that we've done where we've turned the house around. Yes, and <laughs> like literally turned it around. Literally turned it around. The kitchen's gone from the front to the back. And all of a sudden we've got a house that can live as opposed to one that doesn't live, you know. Like you just see it constantly. I, I, constantly. I am constantly moving kitchens. 
constantly moving kitchens. You know, raffle the kids' bedrooms because they sleep in them. Yep. You know, and and, and raffle. Raffle the kids' bathroom. Never raffle the uh, the master on sweeter. I'm about that being a beautiful yeah. face in the morning to get ready because it sets the tone. Actually, I think that's a really lovely thing to sort of segue to is is this the 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 main bedroom en suite. Um, it, it's got to have purpose and it's got to have nurturing tied to it as well. So it's um. You know, you start thinking about water therapy and, or the therapeutic factor of water and, and cleansing and self-time, you know, so that you're, you're actually taking, you're nurturing yourself. Um, and yet that's often done under massive pressure to get out a door or get everybody else out the door. Um, and then it's, but it's actually ritualistic. We, we oh. do habitual things there. Um, I do all of my deep thinking in the shower. I'm a real wally with water, I have to admit. <laughs> I, I stand under that shower and, and my brother does the same thing. I do the so same must, thing. <laughs> I, I think. I draw think, on the shower wall. <laughs> I go, what's, how's that, how am I going to get that to do that? How's that going to happen? And I draw on the steam on the, on the glass. Yes. yes. And, and I'm just constantly going, yeah, like, and Becky, my wife, will come in and look at me and go, what are you doing? And I'm going, no, no, no. don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And I'm, I'm working. It's like the sing in the shower thing. I'm working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Water therapy. I'm a water wally mm. as well. I love it. I'm, I'm so, um, I guess, keen too on borrowing from the landscape outside to form part of the interiors inside. So I'm mm. always looking to what can you see outside and, and how can I make the beauty outside resonate inside? And the master ensuite is always that space where it's the first thing in the morning, the sun's coming up. What do I want to see? What do I want to feel? And, you know, I'm big into serotonin and melatonin and all that sort of thing. You want to be watching the sunrise and then you want to be able to watch the sunset and it's really good for your circadian rhythm and all that sort of thing. Oh, um, do you want to touch on that with LED lighting? But we'll come back to that. <laughs> LED lighting is a sore point for me. It's almost like a swear word in our office. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you can tell me what you think. Maybe um, you can very, similar, very similar to you. Oh, are we? percent. <laughs> oh, like, you know, you're just saying about, you know, melatonin and, and circadian rhythms and we don't have the depth of study to actually know the total effects, um, but we're breaking our sleep rhythms with LED lighting mm. by the nature of the kind of light it is. So we're breaking the thing that we need most to survive and grow and whether you, you know, it's, it's like going, oh, well, I only need um, four hours sleep a night. I can do that. I can do that. I can do it for five days in a row. However, I did it for years. Yeah. It's not good for you. No, exactly. Seven or plus, we do have the data. Seven or mm. plus of restful sleep is actually, with this data, that just proves it's longer life, it's a healthier life, it's a happier mm. life. And so mm. when you do that, and, you know, I've got friends who go, oh, but I meditate, so I don't need as much. Well, I meditate and I do that. Yes. You know, that's yes. the goal. That's the goal. And then we've got LED lighting with our circadian rhythms, which is starting, which is affecting that. Yes. 
and we're breaking down our ability to operate well. You know that, you know that old thing. I always say this to people. I'm not a big fan of air conditioning. Yeah. I go, I want to design your house so you don't need it. And but you'll put it in because you won't trust me. And then there'll yes. just be money wasted. But I'm okay with that as long as it, it, you know, if you use it for heating every now and then or cooling every now and then, great. But otherwise, for the main part, it's a waste of your money. We can yes. solve those other problems other ways. And I say to them, if we go, if they kind of come on my journey, I say, I'm happy to, if one partner's usually, there's one that really wants it. I go, I'm happy to air condition your bedroom because yes. if you guys can sleep, then you can pretty much deal with whatever shit happens in the day. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, but if you're sleep deprived and you're not from a military background where you're taught to be sleep deprived, then you're sleep deprived and one or both of you is a pain in the ass. Usually you won't <laughs> be talking to each other, let alone having a family and all the other things that you're going to deal with. So be terrible at your job, be terrible at life. Yeah, you know. be a bad friend. All those things. So when we get to LED lighting, let's let's have a little talk about like I don't understand it enough, but I'm very conscious of letting it pour on people's heads. I'm very conscious. Of I'm conscious of it enough that I I don't want it ever unless mm-hmm. a client asks for it. Um, I'm very much about lamp light. I'm not mm-hmm. about overhead lighting. I say downlight should be used for cleaning only. Turn it I, on when you need to mop the floors. I say to people uh, uh, the similar thing: you know, get those lights on in a in a main bedroom. I always have this one thing. Well, actually, in all bedrooms, I have try to work on that. We're going to have two different sort kinds of lighting, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. We have lamp light, which mm-hmm. is not going to be LED light, and then we have an all-on kind of switch which lights mm. the thing up like a hospital room. Yes. Because if you have a medical emergency, this happened to somebody I know once, they had a, a guy had a heart attack yes. in his bed. And anyway, they had a lighting system, a Lutron lighting system right through their whole home. And they couldn't turn the lights up because they were all governed. Oh, right. And even the ambulance people are trying to work with torches because that at that time of the day it only did certain lighting through the home. Right. And, I went, and my friend is a New Zealand guy and he was very, he didn't have the heart attack. He was the person who had designed the systems and stuff. And he said from that moment forward we made an all-on switch, A, for mm-hmm. the house, and we also made, which was like an emergency one, but we also did it in every bedroom so that if you do end up with a medical emergency, a kid or anything like that, that you have to deal with, you can get light on that subject. But you don't turn it on to live. You I thought you were going to say bedroom. two forms of light in the bedroom, lamps and candlelight for the romance. Well, there you go. Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> But that's you, what I subscribe to. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That is, that is. I go this thing with the if it's breaking our circadian rhythms, then how do we better use it? And if it's lamplight and it's um you know different lowering the light in the room, you know, like I have this thing where I say to people, you know, we want to consider that this room's going to transition like a day transitions. We're not trying to make it like 12 noon at 11 o'clock at night 
But let's face it too, Adrian, I think we all look better under lamplight. We're much prettier, much more attractive. Can, candlelight, I reckon. And if you want to light the candle at night, you've got to look good at dinner. So we don't, Do you know, we don't want overhead lighting. I don't know whether you've ever um, come across a designer called Kelly Vandermeer, and he's a, um, he's a specialist in restaurants and stuff like that. So in Sydney, he did the meat and wine restaurants and Six Head and things like that. We I mean, were a fabulous guy, really, really good guy. And he talks about taking in a restaurant enough light that's falling on the table that reflects back on your face so that you're underlit as well as toplit, but just yes. so gently and how yes. attractive that is and how important it is. So he's doing that in a commercial place because, you know, you doll yourself up to go out for dinner. Why we, we need to be doing that in our homes. Yes. So that we're actually getting that as well. And I'm I, I'm like you, I'm a big fan in the evening lamps. Lamps like oh. the house. Yeah. We have this thing in our house called lamp o'clock. Lamp o'clock. And I say to the kids, it's lamp o'clock. <laughs> go turn all the lamps on because we don't have C bus. So I go turn all the lamps on, it's lamp o'clock. And at lamp o'clock, the house gets transformed and it's beautiful. Like the, it, it's soft and dewy and everyone looks gorgeous. We light the fire. I've got three fires at home and we light them all oh, the time. Bring that on as well. I did a, I did a little talk a little while ago on, um, on joy, the aesthetics of joy. And with doing that talk, I finished it with um, fire gazing. Mm. and how you can candle gaze as well and how it actually shifts a meditative state for you and how healthy it is for you to fire gaze or to you can candle gaze mm. but mm. that natural flame and and people go oh, what is that okay yeah. have a look at it it's again it's like yes. this thing yeah if you candle gaze or fire gaze and then go to bed versus be looking at your computer and then go to bed or be under bright LED light and then go to bed, um, yeah, your sleep pattern will be a completely different thing. It's... And it's romantic, which means you need the candles, <laughs> which means you'll sleep really well. Absolutely. And the house will smell divine. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> hey, can you tell me about... Um, my happy place, and I know this is something really close to your heart. Oh, it is, and it's very new. It's it's very very new. Brand new, it's, fresh, fresh it, off it's the press. Brand, it's it's brand spanking new. Um, as you know, I live in Victoria, and across Australia, across the world, so many people have been impacted by COVID. <laughs> and it came to light the other day that our Victorian students here have spent over two hundred days homeschooling which is a lot I've got two children I've got a 14 year old daughter and a 16 year old son and they've had 200 days over 200 days at home and there's a lot of talk now about um, trying to get kids back to school because it's good for their mental health and and talking about the mental health impact on children being at home and how it's changing their education anyway my daughter is 14 and last year she was driven into deep depression and deep anxiety. I was exceptionally worried about her. And I got I was fortunate enough to be able to get help for her from some of you know Australia's best 
therapists. Yeah. And so I was very grateful for to be able to have access to that. And um, we really had to cuddle her through that year and, and, and it was a day-by-day prospect for her. And as she's recovering and... and uh, um, ..how she feels in her new home, because we've got a new home. We've, we only moved in a couple of months ago. And her room is her space. Like, she absolutely loves her room. She's obsessed with it. It's not a big room. Yep. I didn't spend a fortune on it, but it's her. It's what it's she wanted. And, and it probably feels right. It feels right. So when when I when she said to me, Mum, can I design my bedroom at the new house? And she said, Oh, of course not. Of course I can't. You're the designer. You're gonna design it. And I said, oh, She's sounding I'm... like my wife, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, sweetheart, I'll let you have a say. Because if it was me, I'd I would have had wallpaper and colour and mm-hmm. you know, she wanted a plain white room. She wanted contemporary art. She she wanted a four-poster bed in a room that shouldn't have a four-poster bed in it. Mm. Anyway, I gave her what she wanted. And she said to me the other day something really poignant, which spurred this thought process on. She said, Mum, I get my vibe from the people I'm with and the space I'm in. And she said, I'm so lucky because it, it was about a conversation about how you feel in a new home and, yeah. you know, what does it feel like? She said, I feel so much happier this year being in this home, in my space. She said, I get so much, and she said vibe. She said, I get so much vibe. I vibe from my space. And yeah. she said, I'm so much happier because I feel happier in this place. And then my son chimed in and he's 16 and he's a bit of a gamer and loves to sit in a dark hole and, you know, no yep. natural light. In the cave. In the <laughs> yeah, cave. in his cave. And um and he said, oh, I totally vibe off my space too, Mum. Like, I love what I've got and he created this, this environment where I can do my thing and be who I am. And, and um, we got talking about mental health and how the mental health has been really impacted in our home. And I said to the kids, I said, I really want to be able to give to someone that's not as fortunate as us. As us. Mm-hmm. And I want to take on board what you've just said and offer something that, that I'm good at, which is designing spaces. That's in sure. my wheelhouse. Um, how can I make a difference to someone in a really impactful way? And so together, the three of us came up with this idea called My Happy Space. Love it. And we didn't want to call it My Happy Place because place mm-hmm. is somewhere where we can't go at the moment because we're in lockdown. Yep. So, you know, a happy place for me and the kids is the mountains of Mount Bula or yeah. when we go over to Whistler or whatever. We can't go to our place, but we can yeah. create, we can make our space beautiful. It's a good distinction. And so um, Jemima, Charlie and I um, have, have created this um, KWD charity called My Happy Space. And what we're doing is in infancy and, and, and we're going to be deep diving into it in the next couple of weeks, um, but we're going to donate a boys room makeover and a girls room makeover to a student that has really been impacted by COVID and and that their mental health has really suffered and we want to give them a space that inspires them a space that's uniquely theirs a space that makes them feel happy makes them feel cocooned makes them feel invigorated something that's theirs and it's it's small in the scheme of of the massive problems that we have at the moment, but I, I to see 
the change in my daughter from going from not having her own space to having her own space, it's been night and shade. And I, yeah. I believe it's been a huge significant impact in her mental health improving. And as a mum who was working really hard during COVID trying to save a business and, and manage yeah. that, and I haven't been at home with her the whole time. I'm a single mum, so she does a lot of stuff herself. I've had so much guilt and I know I'm not alone. I know there's so many other mothers, fathers, grandparents, caregivers out there that are watching their kids suffer. And I put up a post on Instagram and I had hundreds of comments saying, me too, me too, me too, me too. Like, you know, my daughter's on the brink. We can't get her into hospital because there's a wait list. She's developed anorexia. I've, I've had people say my son's suicidal. I can't get him the help he needs. And... I'm not a psychologist, so I can't offer that support. And, you know, I have limited funds I can, you know, have an impact on. But if I can have an impact on, on these people and create a movement to create happy spaces for yeah. children who are locked down, who can't go anywhere, I think it could be enormously impactful for those people. Uh, look, I... I applaud you just applaud you i think it's beautiful it's as you say it's you being able to do what you can do and it's reaching out giving others an opportunity i also challenge every listener um to do the same if you're in the design industry um we'll leave some posts at the end of the uh podcast that you know you can look up talkdesign.show so it's www.talkdesign.show um, and on our website we'll leave some posts on that and how how to reach out how to impact it and also like if, if you just want to take the initiative to do it yourself then do it yourself and um it and, would, and, it would and, be and make a community of it globally what a movement mm. we'll try and get hashtag my happy space going yeah i think so it, it it is incredible like we're in the design industry and we know that we have an impact on the mood of the people that that habitate our spaces 100 percent. we we get to see it firsthand yeah. whether it be in in the, the the style of the building or whether it be in the um you know the furniture that's in it or whether it be the the texture of the flooring you know whatever it is we get to experience that and we watch our clients experience it but there's a lot of people who don't and we can give the kids a voice and actually give them some control because right now they've got no control Mm-hmm. they've got no control over where they go how long they get to stay outside who they get to spend their time with um, they've got no control over being able to play the sports they love do the activities they love they've lost control and another big thing that um, child psychologists talk about is having an island of competence wow. and that gives that gives children a sense of self so you know, let's say you're a really good horse rider and you're the best horse rider in the class. Yes. It doesn't take much to be the best horse rider in the class because there's probably only one or two in your class. Yeah, exactly. to ride horses. Yes, yeah, pick the right so you've sport. So <laughs> you've got this thing where, you know, um, Jackie's a great horse rider. And, you know, for my daughter, snow skiing's her thing. Yeah. Now, there might only be one or two snow skis in her whole year level. So she's got that island of competence. Right now she can't right. do it. Yes, so she, yes she, it's she, taken she, away from her. 
it's taken away from her. So her whole island of competence is gone. And right now she's spending so much time homeschooling under the doona with the dog under the doona, which, like, irritates me beyond belief, and food in the doona, which irritates me even further <laughs> beyond belief, that <laughs> I have to let it go. Um, because There's growth in this journey for you too, Kate. There's growth in this <laughs> <Yeah>. journey. <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm on the growth trajectory. But, you know, for her to have all of that taken away from her and she's not you know, Kay Cotty here, all of her cohort are, are suffering the same thing. All of yeah. those good netballers aren't netballing and all of yeah. those good gymnasts aren't gymnasting. Um, and I think to allow them to have control over their immediate environment will give them positivity. Oh, I think it's, I think it, it 100%, if you can, if you can assist them, you know, as designers with the, the skill sets that we have, if we can assist them by making it available to them, something available to mm. them, um, and it might just be advice. It, it might mm. just be this would change this or try this and this, but A, giving them control over that environment, you know, and it doesn't always have to be a total makeover of something. Paint is one of the, the most fabulous cheapest, things in the world. Best <laughs> thing, paint. I mean, that's happiness in a can, isn't it? Paint? A hundred percent. I've got a podcast oh. actually with a lady called Liz Camerall. And um, if you can look at any of her stuff, she's uh, she, her husband's actually from Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. Um, and she lives in New Orleans and she's a visual artist. So she does murals in people's homes. Um, and she's very successful at doing it. Beautiful, beautiful human being. But, yeah, just as simple as paint. I say to clients all the time, it costs as much to paint a room a colour as it does white. Yep. So why not choose a colour? A hundred percent. It it is the best way to change the, to take my daughter's word, vibe, to to change the vibe of a room is is to change its colour. Well, a hundred percent with you, you know, and mm-hmm. take the range. There's so many beautiful colors out there. There's so many, you know, like I'm a big fan of Porter's paints myself, but yes. there are yeah. so many beautiful paints. Um, and it's less than a day's work to change a wall oh, no. color, at least, you know, you like it up, you can just, fix just it. paint the damn thing again. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's gold. It's, it's, and it can change a mood so much. Um, totally. With that, give us a couple of your, your like top tips. If somebody's going to paint, let's just say a wall in a bedroom. Yes. Which wall do you paint, and what would you? What are the things that you'd consider? What are what are? I, I need to let you know. Full disclosure: I'm yeah. not a fan of the feature wall. Oh, I'm okay with that, but I'm not a fan of the feature wall. I I've got this thing at the moment where. So I love colour. Mm-hmm, I absolutely love colour. And I think when I talk to clients about colour, I'm deep diving into what colours, how they make them feel. And so then I go down that colour palette. I don't yeah. think there's a bad colour. There's not a bad colour out there. And my advice is that when you paint a space, actually let the colour cocoon you. So paint the walls and the ceiling, and it might sound Oh, I love that. Oh, 100%. Paint the ceiling the same colour as the walls 
and it, the colour really cocoons you. And what it does is it diffuses the boundary between wall and ceiling yeah. and it makes it feel like it goes forever. Paint the architraves and the skirting boards in the same colour and all of a sudden you have this complete transformation of a space. And don't be afraid of colour. You know, it, it colour can it. create a My son wanted a black room. I said, yeah. I'm giving you a black room. He said, Mum, I want a black room. So I went to My Porter's. My niece and I went, wants one. Yeah, carry oh, on. Well, a little designer hack. <laughs> I went to Porter's Atlantic and the kids think it's oh, black, yes. but it's yes, actually I know. not. <laughs> actually not black. Um, and his his room was spectacular. I painted it all Atlantic and it was incredible. And you did the ceiling as well? Well, that was where I learned about the ceilings because I didn't paint his ceiling Atlantic that I should have because it made it look like a small box black set. box. Box. Yeah, the box is it. So then when you know, you go back and you paint the ceiling, it's like a bit of an aha moment. Yeah. Uh, but I'm all about painting the ceiling the same colour as the walls. All I, think, about it. I think it's awesome advice, awesome, awesome advice. And, you know, like consider what colour, do your own colour therapy on yourself. You know, what colour makes you feel like what? What emotion does that colour bring up? And then what, when you see that colour in nature, what emotion does it bring up? What, um, you know, and does it bring you rest as well um, as the colour? We, we had this one beautiful client come into as an access client, so very, very low-budget build, and she came into the studio. She had purple nails, purple hair, purple handbag, purple jumper, and I said to her, I've just done a course in mind reading. I'm going to... I'm going to tell you what your favourite colour is. <laughs> and she's looking at me. I said, I think your favourite colour is purple. She said, how did you know? Purple. Her son was with me and he said, Kate, we are not doing purple. I said, yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are doing purple. We're bringing joy here. <laughs> but we did purple in the powder room, yep. so small room. Yep. And I painted the whole thing purple and we gave her a purple front door. Yeah. And change in a weekend. Yeah. And we gave her a purple bed head. Yeah. And in that, she got everything she needed from that colour and it wasn't a disaster to change it. Yeah. Look, it, it, it's, that's the thing. You know, like you might have a COVID colour um, and eventually when we end up with a more normalised life, um, that colour might not be applicable anymore just change it again absolutely and just change it and how easy just, is it to change paint so easy so easy so a weekend job i think that's a really but get, getting getting back to this my happy space you've actually just made it quite thought-provoking obviously with what we're doing with at kwd i i want to personally execute the whole transformation of the room mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be speaking to my wonderful supply partners and get them on board and, and, and we're going to turn these rooms around. But obviously, for me, that's limited to where I live because I need to yeah. be able to support it. Imagine if we created a movement through Instagram, you know, under the hashtag of my happy space. Yeah. And people in different states and different areas different all jumped on board this, different parts of the world, all jumped on board this ideology of creating my happy space and it doesn't have to just be for children it can be for anyone that's struggling mm-hmm. you know, it might be someone that now is disconnected from their workplace because they can no longer work and, mm-hmm. you know and they're missing their cohort 
they make their home working from home space beautiful. Absolutely. You know, it, it could be anything. You just need to sit for five minutes and the ideas would come flooding in. But if we could create this movement online of my happy space and and all of these clever designers out there that can donate their time and yep. their skill, whether they can execute it or not, whether they can just give the ideas, like there's so many yeah, ways they can that just creators can help. Sketch up a room and just take somebody through the process of, you know, this furniture will be uh, oversized in this space or this would change the flow to this or um, this kind of height will change things. This lamp would bring the lighting down to this level, stop living under the LEDs in the room. Um, you know, just choosing those different points because they're all people with a massive skill set that that's yes. simple for them to do. And yes. if everybody chose just one person, don't have to execute it even, but just no. execute the yeah. design, but yes. just chose one person in oh. our design community, then we'd get this rollout. What a I'm movement. Up I'm up for it. 100%. <laughs> well, I'll pioneer it. Yeah. And you spread the word. Yeah. And let's get it happening. Let's do it. I think that it's such a simple thing to do. You know, like I've got, um, I don't have as big a team as you, but with my team of four, we've got an interior design person in our team. And so we go, okay, cool, let's do it. I mean, she's doing that shit all day for everybody. So it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's something that we're doing anyway. Um, so why not? Why not just? We've got um, Carlo Romanen who does all of my branding. He's creating a brand for it at the moment. That that's his um, his gift to the project, which is fantastic. I've got some great supply partners on board who want to help, and I've got a team that can't wait to talk to yeah, some of these kids. And and it's not a sophisticated entry program. We're going to ask people. Anyone can nominate someone who's in need. I like that. They need to put in a 250-word little essay about mm -hmm. how they're being impacted and, and, and how having a new space would support them. And my children are going to choose the winners. So oh, awesome. I'm going to let them understand, okay, these are the hardships that these people are facing. And Jemima, you choose the girl winner and Charlie, you choose the boy winner. Boy and... You know, you tell me why you want them to win. It's not yeah. sophisticated. It's it's not, you know. It's not an algorithm. It's, it's, it's not it's, an algorithm. It's, it's, just, it's just a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's Marbo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the other thing that we could do with that is um, do, for, for people who um, want to join in on this, um, we could create a little podcast piece that might be a 15-minute, you know, talking about their thing. And I did this recently, or last year, I'll be doing it again this year, um, the AIA Austin, Texas. Um, I interviewed all the architects who had homes on their tour last year. Mm -hmm. And their last year their tour was done by Matterport so that it was virtual because you couldn't have people going into other people's homes. And this year it's going to be virtual and a little bit of um, physical but I interviewed every architect um, and made a little series out of it. But it would be fun to do that with the designers. Um, mm. And then talk designers, are, it, it's actually a family of people. And it's not just about designers, talk design. We've got business coaches and we've got, you know, um, all kinds of different people, photographers, fashion designers. 
um, you know, on the show. But I love to interconnect people. I love to be able to go, how do I get you to talk to you? You know, I've got a guy who, who builds custom motorcycles and I've put him in touch with, um, so his, his, his podcast is Cult Wrangler. Um, and I've put him in touch with Tim Brown, who's a great architectural friend of mine who's doing a development in his area. And Tim's also looking for a custom motorbike. Um, and then I've got him also talking to a business coach who's a girl from the Gold Coast who lives in San Antonio. And her daughter rides horses and... Um, she, he's a, he's a, he builds custom motorbikes, but he's a bronc rider, so a rodeo bronc rider and a bull rider as well. And I'm like, guys, hook up, hook up, like meet each six other. Six degrees of separation, isn't 100%, it? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, people will write to me and say, "Hey, could you introduce me to this person you interviewed?" And I go, "Yeah, for sure, I can." And but definitely yeah. within, not always I do. Yes, for sure, I can. Definitely within the family of talk design people, I do it. Yes. The other, yes. I make them, I, I've got to assess whether it's something that we would want to, in, to introduce them. You know, we don't want stalkers and bloody weirdos. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want to be careful what we encourage. But it'd be, be fun to do that with um, that process and, you know, have, have different levels of people talking about that process, even if it's all Zoomed together and I think just facilitate a, a chat. I the community, my happy space. Yeah. I love that idea. What yeah. an incredible way to give back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, we've been talking for a bit, so I'm thinking that um, we should round it off with my favourite question, which is if you had one project left, you could never do another project. This is it. You're done. You cannot influence another project. What would you choose? What would be this last legacy? Oh, my goodness. Oh, God, that's a hard one. It is because there's so many opportunities. Design my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd make it fabulous so people would want to come and visit. I'd create a bar. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. So, so it's kind of in Fitzroy or somewhere like that. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. My, my last, my last project. Um, I would want to create something for my family. Mm -hmm. Give back to my family so that they had that lasting influence of of what family was to us while I was alive and oh, you still could be alive when they do your oh, last project I could you still be alive it's not when I'm dead we don't have to kill you to do it you oh, you just don't have can't to kill do me. another project oh, yeah you don't have no. To kill me no no it's okay you, you you get long life that's okay I get long life okay, long, long life, life but you cannot do another design project it would definitely be something philanthropic Right. It would be. It would definitely be giving back, and I would want to create a home for someone that really needs it. It would be for someone that had 
suffered the effects of domestic violence and I would create a safe home for someone to bring their family up in safety and in an environment where home for them previously had been torturous Mm. and I could create peace for them, everlasting peace in a home where they felt safe to bring up their children. That's beautiful. That would be it. That would be it. If you hung your hat on that one as the last thing. That would be it. Love it. And I hope it doesn't take to I hope it doesn't take until my last project to get there because that's that's a dream I've got. I I think that that's the that's the premise of the question. is because it's so close to what you, how you can bring value. And if it was the last thing that you did, if, if you did that for someone and you got hit by a bus, you'd die happy. You know, you'd die, you'd die knowing that, Very happy. that you fulfilled that part of the journey. Um, yeah, that's yeah. special. That's special. Yeah. Take somebody from where they are and give them something that um, can nurture them and grow them and give them security and safety. And, and keep giving long after the yes. gift. Yeah, keep long giving. after the gift. Yeah, and probably in a journey like that, you would discover um, things that would be valuable to a design community anyway, globally. You know, like that there'd be common pieces that make certain pieces of psychology tick and. Um, security hold on to the right way and just all those kind of things, you know, like mm. I think that would be beautiful. Yeah. No, everybody, absolutely. everybody wins and everybody grows. Kate, that has been the best chat. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm vibed. <laughs> I'm vibed. That was so cool. That was so cool. Adrian, I, I've had a lot of fun today. Thank you oh. for having me. Look, seriously, me too, and I can't wait till we meet again. <laughs> we have to meet again because you're going to jump on board my well, happy I'm space. In. I'm in. So we're going to talk. <laughs> so we're going to post all your socials and we're going to post all the information how to get hold of you and we'll devise okay. what we're going to post about my happy space and we might just do, we might just catch up again and just do a little 15-minute piece on my happy space as a, at once we've got all the details together and how we can launch it that way. That'd be really cool. It's it's in its infancy, but it is happening. Yeah. Yeah, when I be... make my mind up, it, it happens. Really? I can't tell. <laughs> 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 uh, that was really, really brilliant. Really brilliant. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks so much. Cheers, hon. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change 
It's an unusual thing for a designer to say, well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.